0: Attendees, if you're just jumping on, just give us a second to let everyone join, and then we'll get started. All right, hello, everyone. I'm Rachel zabonik Chanko, editor Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our Thought Leader Series, sponsored by Club OS and ASF. We have a really awesome panel today on the topic of cultivating a growth mindset in your culture. And so I'm gonna go ahead and start by having each of them go around, introduce themselves, share a little bit about their businesses and a fun fact. Um, Julian, let's start with you. Oh, I think you're on mute, Julian.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me today in this panel. Really excited to be here. My name is Julian Barnes. I am the co-founder and CEO of Boutique Fitness Solutions based in New York City. We're a peer-to-peer network and business education provider for boutique fitness studio owners. I've been in and around sports and fitness literally my entire life. And a fun fact about me is related to how I got into sports and fitness was being a tennis player as a kid, being a competitive tennis player and a tennis instructor. And prior to the pandemic in 2020, I had attended the U.S. Open Tennis Championships for 40 consecutive years. That was my Labor Day weekend activity. So you got to have another 40 year stretch ahead of me, God willing.
0: Yeah. Wow. Impressive. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Jessica. Hey everybody. I'm Jessica
2: Yarmy, CEO of KickHouse, which is a modern kickboxing franchise. We have 35 locations across the country. And my fun fact is I am a dog mom, a cat mom, a plant mom, and a kid mom, not necessarily in that order.
3: Awesome.
0: Asaf, go ahead.
3: Thank you. My name is Asaf Gal. I'm a Crunch franchisee in New York City. I have some clubs in Brooklyn, Bronx, and Queens, New York. Been doing that for about eight years now. Signed up with a franchise 10 years ago. And uh, I was saying earlier, I have to I had to ask my wife my fun fact, but I guess for now, I'll say that I'm an immigrant. I was born in Israel and came to Long Island, New York when I was two years old. Yeah, awesome.
0: Um, And for those who are interested in learning more about a soft story, he'll be our April cover story. So be sure to keep an eye out for that.
4: (laughs) Trina, go ahead. Hi, I'm Trina Gray, and I am a gym owner in Northern Michigan. I own a medically-based health club called Bay Athletic Club for about 16 years and a large group training studio called Bay Urban Fitness with boxing, cycling, and TRX. In addition to that, I run a large online um, coaching team through a company called Team Beachbody, where we help people get fit and active um, from home as well. Um, My fun fact is that my background is in journalism and French, and the thought that I would be an anchor on 60 Minutes, never envisioned fitness as a career path, but life takes many different turns. Um, so I found my way into fitness as a hobby and about 20 years ago, made it my career. Awesome. Love it. All right. Last but not least, Joe.
5: And off one quick question. Didn't I see you on television quite a bit during the pandemic? <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I, that's, uh, I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: connection to Fox News. Yes.
5: I thought I did. Um, Joe Cerulli. I own uh, Gainesville Health and Fitness Centers. I have uh, Request Physical Therapy and also X-Force Body uh, Boutique uh, Studios. I've been actually, I've been doing it for 48 years. I've been doing this my entire life. Um, I don't know if it's a fun fact or not, but everybody I know plays golf. I never made it past caddy. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been a pilot for about 35 years and I, I think that's, I think that's my game of golf
0: it's cooler Joe. it's cooler yeah if you ever run into joe he's got some cool stories about being a pilot so be sure to ask him about it but awesome all right guys appreciate all that um yeah let's go ahead and jump into the questions and then attendees if you have any questions for the panelists um just put those in the q a or the chat box and i'll get to them if we have time all right first question why is it important as a leader to have a growth mindset or one emphasizing continuous improvement? Julian, let's start with you.
1: One thing you learn with the last name Barnes, you are always going first, which is fine <laughs> with me. Um, so I thought about this question and the obvious answer to me is because everything changes and nothing remains stagnant on earth. But then I, I did a little more digging. And I found this quote that I thought really uh, encapsulates, encapsulates my answer. It's from the journalist, Germany Kent, who said, don't live the same day over and over again, and call that a life. Life is about evolving mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And I think for me, that's the answer. Everything changes. You got to change, or you fall behind. Nothing remains the same. So I think it's the laws of physics it's ultimately the answer for why we have to grow.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that quote. Awesome. All right, Jessica, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I think having a, a growth mindset is super important as as leaders and then also as teams to help us thrive through resilient, you know, difficult, challenging kind of times. And that's definitely the last two years that we've all kind of kind of gone through. Um, Carol Dweck kind of looks at like a growth mindset as like having the ability to look at skills as evolving um, assets in our in our toolkit, as opposed to like a fixed mindset where we just look at like failures as like, I have failed once and then therefore like I am a failure mm-hmm. and, and not really like learning and growing from, from your fails or not like learning and growing through your, your challenging times. So I really think, um, especially now as leaders, like having a growth mindset has, has never been more important. And so kudos to you for, for opening this conversation and even like shining a light
0: on the topic. Thank you. And so, yeah, I love what you said. Amasaf, um, what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, I tend to agree with what has been said so far. Um, I took this question two ways and just underscored the leader aspect of it. Um, And when I'm talking to my general managers, I I make sure they know you're a leader in the club. So there's a spotlight on you. There's leverage to what we do and leverage to our activities. And so if we're doing the right thing, it's getting multiplied, which is great. But Mm -hmm. if we're making mistakes or if we have a fixed mindset, that's getting spread around here, too. Uh, So so one note from a leadership perspective, we're modeling the behavior. We're the we're the standard. So it's important to have a growth mindset from that perspective that around here. Growth is important. And then latching onto what Julian said, the world is dynamic, consumers are dynamic, competitors are dynamic. So the very nature of staying still is by default falling behind. And I even mm-hmm. made a little note, like if if, you, if we all know that putting cash under the mattress is falling behind because of inflation, it's it's the same thing with, with skills and perspective.
4: Yeah, certainly. Trina, what are your thoughts? Gosh, I love that analogy. What a bright group. I've, I'm taking notes on you guys already myself. Um, so my, the simplest answer really was that to, um, was I wrote, we set the tone. So to Asaf's point that when we do the right thing, it multiplies across our organization. So if we want to have employees who can handle change and failure and all those things obviously we set the tone for all of that ourselves, um, we can't stay chained to the past and to take a different take on Julian's quote. Um, what I always think about was whatever, what, whatever got me here in life. Whether you're a studio owner, a gym owner, a manager, whatever, whatever got you here, good, but not good enough, it's never going to get you to the next level. And I always look at what I've done so far has been good enough to get me here, but I don't want to live good enough. I always need to be growing to get to the next level. So it's just an evolving, um, that's just how I see business and life in general. Yeah, love it. Joe, what are your thoughts on this question?
5: Do you imagine how boring my life would have been if I stayed the same as I when I started uh, my business 44 years ago. So I mean with us it's always been growth. I mean when I look at my company sometimes I have to laugh. I mean I started my company with $1,700 and that's all I had and uh, so it was always a growth mindset. What's next? What's next? What's next? You know which has allowed me to grow my employees and by that I mean, I have a lot of employees, been with me 30, 40 and more years. So they've been able to grow as the company's grown and uh, it kind of keeps life exciting for everybody, knowing that we have new things, we're thinking of new things, and then we'll actually be adding new components to our business and finding different ways to be able to serve our community.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it'd be hard to keep your passion for what you're doing if you're just staying stagnant all the time.
5: I think you would lose it. Yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Well, you know, as leaders, um, how do you exhibit the qualities of continuous improvement or a growth mindset? Um, How do you model those behaviors? Julian, let's start with you.
1: I think it's, it's leading by example. So within our company, we prioritize professional development among our senior teams. We pay for it, we prioritize it. I just had a conversation the other day Reminding our head of ops that while while she's extremely busy in the next couple of months preparing for our annual summit, I I warned her not to let her busyness get in the way of her professional development. And if that meant something was not going to get done. That's fine. Professional development is uh, is cumulative. It's like interest, right? So 30 minutes a day adds up. So, um, I would concede I do not do as good of a job on that as I am directing my team to do. Um, but I'm constantly reading, absorbing content, books, articles, industry, uh, podcasts. So a consumer of information is how I'm modeling this behavior for my team. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's a great point though, Julian, you're right. I think um, when you have a lot on your plate, it can be very easy to let the continuous improvement stuff go to the back burner a little bit. So yeah, great reminder for everybody. Jessica, what are your thoughts on this? How do you model continuous improvement?
4: I
2: really look at the best like learning ground is really within the, the weeds of our businesses and just learning from fails, learning from mistakes and really showcasing for my team that it is okay to fail, especially micro fails. Like if we're not micro failing, we're not pushing forward fast enough or far enough. So fails are expected, like fails are okay. And let's talk about them. Let's learn from them. Um, and let's grow from them. You know, I think the continuous improvement comes from like that kind of culture and comes from me as a leader, like empowering that kind of conversation and, and not having that fear based culture of like, we have to do it perfect. We have to get it right, especially in these like ever-changing times, you know, to a soft point, like things are changing so fast, of course, we're going to trip, you know, and, and that's okay. And let's just keep on
0: running forward. Yeah. Yeah. Giving people that psychological safety to know that they can experiment without fear of failure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Asaf, how do you model these behaviors?
3: Um, there's a few ways. And one point I would start off with making is, you know, to acknowledge the need for growth, kind of the inverse is acknowledging that right now we're not perfect. That right now we have space to grow and, and we could be getting better. So I think about how do I do that? So uh, my good friend, Pete Moore, who some of you may know, uh, once labeled fail as first attempt in learning. So I loved that I I wrote that down, or I repeat a lot mistakes are not a problem repeating the same mistake is. And that's giving them like you're talking about that psychological safety that, you know, Jessica, as you were saying, if you're acting, and if you're doing enough, you're going to fail, you're going to bump into something that wasn't perfect. But as long as we're learning from it, you know, then we're not repeating it. Um, Mm -hmm. Another way we do it is, uh, if I get asked a question, I, I ask back, what do you think we should do here? And that acknowledges, I don't have all the answers by any stretch. And wow, I didn't even think of that. That was a better answer than I could have come up with. And that just gives them an opportunity to get a victory there and to see that I'm by no means perfect and certainly don't have the answers. Um, when I'm at the front desk and I'm helping someone, I say regularly, uh, I'm still learning or I'm still training. And it, it's letting the people around me know it's okay to acknowledge that, that we are imperfect because we are all imperfect. And it's okay to acknowledge it. We can ask for help. We can... We can, we can grow from here. Um, and then another you know tactical thing is, it's part of our core values. One of our core values is a commitment to excellence. One of the bullet points of how we live that out is Kaizen, which is the Japanese word for constant improvement. That comes from the Toyota production systems, the Toyota car company. And we, we talk about that a lot. We reference Kaizen and constant improvement a lot. So yeah. those are some of the ways we bring it to life.
0: Yeah. We've talked in the past too. These are things you have to constantly reinforce, right? You can't just, you know, say at once that continuous improvements, a core value, put it up on a wall and then just hope it happens.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just wallpaper. You got to bring it to life.
4: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Trina, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, um, I took this two different ways, like just tactical. What do I do in my business at the health club? Um, to model a growth mindset and how to help them. And so one very simple thing that I did actually during the pandemic was I felt like our team meetings, our staff meetings, our leadership team meetings were becoming a little too, um, I was letting them become too chaotic. We were winging it. It didn't have as much clear direction and I wanted it to be like solution oriented meetings. Um, so I gave, I created a new, um, Handout basically that the leaders follow every single week. It looks like a worksheet, but you know, simplicity and um, consistency works. And so on this worksheet that they fill out and bring to the meeting, they tell us at the top what do they need a the decision on, like if they're setting dates for a boot camp or a program, pricing, like what just needs to make a decision? What things are they in charge of that they just want to use this as a sounding board? right? Like they're thinking about doing this or thinking about interviewing this person. They're thinking about elevating this person They're, you know, they just want the, the leaders as a sounding board. And then the third thing is what new ideas or innovation do they want to bring to the table that week? So this just created a constant drip and flow of growth mindset. Just the way I structured our team meetings led it to, you know, happen organically. Um, and so the structure and has really helped. The second side of that, um, to Julian's point is what do I do personally is I, I am a consumer of personal development books and I made a quick list. So for people listening that want to write down names of things to read, um, I know, I think at the end, um, Rachel, you may have asked us for this, but since it fits right, go ahead. Um, these are the books I've read so far in 2022. I'm not flexing. I'm saying these are books that have helped me and maybe they can help you, um, all different. So will is, uh, the autobiography of Will Smith. My gosh, if you want to learn about leadership, failure, struggle, such a great book, 12 and a half by Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the best business books. It completely fits this topic of growth mindset. It's all about emotional intelligence, Atlas of the heart, Um, By Brene Brown is a super introspective look at who we are as human beings how we can interact better with each other and understand our feelings and everyday hero manifesto by Robin Sharma one of the best books I've ever read in my life really wants to work on creating better human beings and better leaders, and then I just yesterday finished a book called girl on fire by uh, Kara Elway. Um, so those are the books that I've read and I talk about them. I talk about them on my social media, I talk about them in my team. I talk about them in emails. I talk about them in our team page. So I'm not just absorbing for myself, but I'm absorbing for myself and trying to pay lessons forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those are all great recommendations. And I can echo, um, Atlas of the heart's really great. I am not done with it, but working my way through it and it's extremely powerful. So I recommend that one as well. So Joe, um, how do you model this concept of continuous improvement?
5: Well, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I constantly read. I constantly read because I've gotten a lot of, a lot of ideas how to build my business by reading books. And not where they'd say, this is what you do, but I'd read something and give me an idea of something to do. I always, when I first began in the industry, um, I had, I ordered hundreds of tape series. Um, by great speakers. Now, I mean, you go onto YouTube and uh, and listen to all these great speakers. I'm talking about not the the newest guys, but the uh, Earl Nightingales of the world, um, the Zig Ziglers of the world, the people where I originally got all you know really got my ideas from. But there's something else I do, and I do it with my staff too. We watch history all the time. There are some incredible shows. On. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the men who built America, the food that built America, the engineering that built that built the world. Now I'm going through the whole series on Abraham Lincoln, because you learn, you, you really understand what leadership is and what thinking does when you really think hard. As far as how to think to that sharing with my staff, I look at, at two different components. There's evolutionary change, which are the things that we can all come up with, how to improve a department within the club. The other part of it is revolutionary change, which is what new products, programs, things can we create inside of our center? So I think of it two different ways. The revolutionary change is obviously the more is the more challenging because there's no place you can go and say, okay, here's where we study a revolutionary change. It comes from spending time thinking and learning and figure like i'm i'm uh, listening to one book called the net and the butterfly where you come up with ideas and and as i'm listening to i'm thinking yeah that's how i have come up with a lot of ideas you know when you have a problem and you go to sleep and every night you wake up or not i'm gonna say a problem a challenge and you you wake up at uh, two o'clock in the morning every single night for like three weeks But you don't let it bother you because, you know, one night you're going to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you're going to know the answer to it. So it's those kind of things, how I learn. And and I meet with all my leadership team every single week for at least three hours, every single week. And we share all the different ideas. And um, that's how we continue to keep moving the business forward. And hopefully that's how I model um, that my brain is actively engaged in moving the company forward.
0: Yeah. Awesome, yeah. Well, my next question was going to be about you know how you all build um, this concept into your culture, um, but I think you guys all touched on a little bit of that already. So while you guys were talking, it actually got me thinking. You know, when you're looking to hire, is someone exhibiting continuous improvement as a quality something that you should be looking for? So Julian, yeah, are there is that important to identify when you're you know in the hiring process?
1: No question it's also the toughest thing to identify <clears throat> excuse me someone who someone who has a learning mindset and so i'm looking for for examples of of um initiatives that the person has taken on his or her own without being forced to go to a seminar if someone tells me that they they enrolled in a seminar they just read this book or they enrolled in this program on their own. That gives you some sense that they're a self-starter who understands what we've all been saying here today. So there's no question. We, I think we're all looking for people who are continually trying to improve themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jessica, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I love everything that Julian just said and I'm just going to layer onto it. Um, I think finding high potential talent is the difference between good organizations and great organizations. So you can't just find that on a resume. Like you need to do some read between the lines work. Um, You know, I think there's things you can see on a resume. Like it kind of used to be people who job jump. Oh, those are not loyal people. Well, job jumping sometimes at this point shows you who's high potential. They got bored and they jumped. But then you have to look beyond the resume. And we have so many tools now. You can find anybody on social media. What are they doing on social media? Like, that's what they care about. That's going to show you what they're passionate about. And that's going to show you what they're trying to build personally. And if you're able to echo what they're building personally in what they're going to start to build for you professionally, like, that's a win-win. That's an overlap of passions. And that puts somebody in their strengths. And that puts them on that like high growth kind of career track. So 100% agree with, with what Julian started out with.
0: Yeah. Great point. And I like what you said about social media too. Cause I mean, nowadays we can see if what someone is saying is matching, matching up with their actions. So don't definitely look into everyone's social media because it'll be extremely insightful during the hiring process. But yeah, Asaf, what are your thoughts?
3: Um, I'm also taking this more literally and thinking about the interview process and questions to ask. And, you know, you can hear it a little bit. You can see it in the backgrounds a little bit. We're voracious readers. And so I ask, do you like to read? What's the most recent book you read? Tell me about the book. What'd you learn from it? Um, sometimes I ask, you know, what are you passionate about? And then if there's something that they're lighting up about, it's like, how do you learn about that? And if they're saying, oh, I got these blogs or these magazines or I follow this thing or I do these YouTube videos, there, there's ways to, to Jillian's point, find, um, you know, are they self-starters on it, but to the effect of, are they, are they trying to grow in this capacity? Um, or if you're asking, you know, tell me about a time, fill in the blank, it's, and what'd you learn from that? Because I want, I want to see if they, they spend some time being reflective and uh, did in fact learn and grow from it. Yeah, for
4: sure. Trina. Yeah, I love that. One, um, one tool that we, I have found to be helpful just to take a soft idea of being more literal and, lo- and just a tangible tip for this is the Enneagram test. I'm sure everybody's used it or seen it or heard of it, but there's all different kinds of personality profiles out there, right? We've all done personality plus, and so many different things over the years. I find the Enneagram test to be a more modern day look at, um, the root of what drives people, what motivates people. And, um, Are they driven by just being a helper? Do they just want to be the most valuable asset they can be? Are they driven by achievement? Are they driven by recognition? Are they driven by the journey of just having fun at work? Um, So I find the Enneagram to be really helpful in both my online business, where I'm working with coaches all across the country that I'm not sitting down in person with, and then my team locally. I want to know what people, what their love language is, what speaks to them, what they're driven by. Yeah, the Enneagram's great. What What's your number, Trina? I'm a three with a wing to a two. So that's an achiever with a wing to a helper. Okay, I'm a three too. So oh.
0: awesome. Joe, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, first of all, we have a very extensive hiring process and they go through a bunch of different people, not just one person. And uh, really what we hire on is will they fit into the culture and do they have the core values that we have? But the way that we learn about them is when we started asking them, when we asked them, questions, but like, where do you see yourself in the future? I remember one day I was sitting in my office and, I, and, a, and a young girl was applying for the kids club. And I heard my staff ask her, can you, can you describe where you will be five years from now? And I remember I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, damn, I don't even know where I'm going to be five years from now. Um, but I think the process we've gone through has, has, has helped us find people who are thinkers, Because to me, that's the most important thing that they can think. And um, they've been the ones that have helped move us forward as a company.
0: Yeah, awesome. Rachel, if I could just
1: Yeah, go for it. I think it's important to look for evidence that the potential employee is curious. Because most of what the employees are going to do, we're going to teach them. And nowadays, even more so than ever, I know of two companies that have started in the last year that have focused on micro learning in five minute increments to deskless workers. So they don't have to have read all the books that Trina um, mentioned. They need to indicate a capacity, a willingness and a desire to learn. And then we'll coach them up. But we can't coach someone who is, not open to being coached or developed.
0: Yeah,
2: that's a great point. Go ahead, Jen. And I, th- I think just to add on to that, like if you're a learner, you're going to come into any conversation with questions. So, what questions are they asking you right. in in the interview process? Because that's going to validate, you know, to Julian's point, like they're curious about what they're going to get out of joining your organization. They're curious about about you. So, any good curious, high growth learner is going to have like at least three killer questions that aren't just yes or no questions, but it shows they've really thought about you. They've thought about your organization.
0: Yeah. Don't you love the questions when someone's like, why do we do it this way? And you're like, um, cause we've always done it this way, <laughs> but those are good questions. Cause yeah, you need to be challenged sometimes, um, to rethink things. It's a great point. Awesome. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit more about just leadership and how challenging it can be. Um, obviously, you know, maintaining a positive mentality through tough times can be hard. So how do you guys, you know, make sure you're recharging and, and bringing that, you know, air of continuous improvement in your day-to-day lives? Julian, let's start with you.
1: I'm gonna give you the most boring answer that everyone listening to this webinar already already does if they have tuned into this webinar, exercise. Like I can't imagine living without exercising and consistently, and I'll layer on to that fresh air. So Asaf and I live at opposite ends of Central Park, and when the pandemic first began, there were there was rumblings in New York City that they might actually close the parks because they were attracting crowds of people. Thank God they didn't, because every day that it didn't rain, I was in the park for at least 15 minutes getting fresh air getting my moving meditation so it's just the simple things to me move the body quiet the mind get some fresh air
0: yeah yeah and being outside is extremely important to us as humans and our circadian rhythms um there's this podcast called the huberman lab podcast that really gets into um our bodies and our minds and how all of that stuff works they did an episode on light and how important it is for our energy. So if you guys wanna learn a little bit more, I'd recommend that. But yeah, that's a great point, Julian. Jessica.
2: I agree with everything that Julian said, like exercise, moving, getting outside, walking, podcasting, multitasking, like all those things are great for recharge. You know, I think the, the question of like, how do you lead with positivity? Um, there's a lot of times I don't, you know, like, and I think, could I fake this? With my team, absolutely. But will there be value to my team if I really like unmask and just show like it's hard right now? Like I'm having a hard day. Here's why. Here's what I'm working through. And I think having that like level with your senior leaders is important because it shows them that you're you're working through it too. So if they feel it someday, like it's okay, and they can come to you and share that kind of vulnerability, like with you, Um, you know, I think the days of having to be the, you know, always on, um, you know, especially in our Zoom world, it is so hard to be always on like 24 seven in our, in our Zooms. So like, if you have a moment where it's just like, I'm not feeling it today, like I'm going cameras off, like I'm rescheduling calls, like it's okay. And just know, like, stay focused on the bigger, bigger picture but it's okay to share like my, my micro picture, my day-to-day, like it's a struggle, but, but I'm going to work through it, you know, and we'll, we'll get through everything that's, that's challenging that comes our way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Fake positivity is never good. (laughs) Yeah. Asaf, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: Hard to follow those, but I noted down perspective and recharge. And so for perspective, you know, I think about and sometimes I even say to some of the team members, I'm not walking through the streets of Fallujah, right? This is that's hard. This is a challenge. And then speaking of challenge, right, these are these are challenges born of privilege. Oh, my rent, oh, my commercial lease, oh my my employees. You know, like let's let's keep in mind really the the order of things and that this is a challenge born of privilege. So that perspective helps. You know, Joe mentioned that he's a pilot, which is amazing, and I find nothing uh, provides perspective, like going 40,000 feet in the air and just, just immediately the, the things that you thought were big problems are literally tiny. And so I, I call it airplane mode. And anytime I get to try and remind myself to go to airplane mode and think about takeoff and how small things get, um, that, that helps me get some perspective history, right? Great wars, people that were really in challenging leadership positions. It's, it's a whole other game. And then in terms of recharge, yes, exercise. And I also put down meditation, I think meditation can be very important to create the tiniest gap between stimulus and response. If you have that little bit of a gap between those two, you get a chance to have some sort of say in the response that you're you're providing. And if it's your optimal response, then that's, that's what we're going for. So any gap to, to make sure I'm giving the optimal response and not a suboptimal response is work I'm trying to do.
4: Yeah, awesome. Trina, what are your thoughts? Well, I feel like Asaph and I shared notes or cheated off each other's papers, but we did <laughs> He's in cool New York. Um, so I have the words written down perspective dash and recharge dash. So very strange um, for perspective. I wrote, how do I, on the maintaining positive mentality through it, my perspective on that, I liked Jessica, like what you brought to the table, being vulnerable, not faking positivity. So that was brilliant. I bring this philosophy to my life, into my business. And I have for more than a decade and it, it shifted for me. That I used to take things, I know this sounds really rudimentary, but I used to take things so personally in business, right? An employee doesn't like the way you lead or a client doesn't like the way you did something or the, you know, someone's, if you're going to put yourself in a position of leadership and put yourself out there, you got to be able to take the heat. And I know that sounds so basic, but it, it, it you can feel it and, the, and it doesn't always feel good. So I have this philosophy called heart and armor. And the idea is that I have enough heart that I truly care about what I'm doing. And I care about the people I'm serving to a point where I still protect myself. I care about my clients. I care about their lives. I care about my employees. I care about their teams to the point of also protecting myself. Because at the end of the day, I come home to this family and these kids in this household. Right. And so they don't deserve the worst of me. And so that heart and armor has been, you know, if I ever read a book someday, a whole chapter will be on having heart and armor. So that's my perspective. My recharge was just what these, uh, brilliant people said, regular workouts can't imagine life without it. Um, outdoor nature walks, meditations. I do a 10 minute meditation after my workout every day, and then having days completely unplugged. And I mean, completely disappearing from social media, disappearing from email, disappearing from the phone and being completely unplugged, I think is one thing that um, is a different perspective that could bring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love what what you said. Um, I think you're kind of speaking to boundaries and the concept of boundaries. And and, and I know in leadership that can be extremely hard. Um, especially when you've put obviously blood, sweat and tears into building a business from the ground up, it can be really hard and difficult to prioritize yourselves. So I love what you said, Trina, just making that time that you're not just your business, right? Essentially. Yeah. Joe, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, first of all, the toughest challenge of being fifth is remembering the question that you asked, but, uh,
0: <laughs> how do you recharge?
5: I, I, I think I, you have to find different, I've learned, I have to find different ways to recharge. I am inside the club a lot. So you have to be able to be recharged even while you're in the environment that a lot of people say, well, you got to get away from it to get recharged. And you want know I'm the simplest way I do it. I talk to my staff regularly. I engage with my staff and I engage with members on a regular basis, and that's that's always charging because because you find out how much they love being there, and um, that's that's helpful. As far as getting away, uh, for me, it's having a um, just a feeling of gratitude all the time. You know, when I talk about being a pilot, you know, when I'm flying, I am seeing some of the most beautiful things, and and when I'm flying, I, I swear to God, if you were inside my head, you'd hear me saying. I am so lucky, I am so lucky. And I've said that many times about my whole life, no matter how many miserable things happen, they happen to everybody, I never forget how fortunate I am and we all are. And where I see the most fortunate part is the fact that we're living our life on our own terms. Nobody is telling us how we have to to live our lives. To me, that's really, really critical to uh, just being free inside your head. And, but another part of it is I do get away. And, uh, you know, every year I take all my books, all my notes, all my everything. And I go down, I have a place down in a a condo down in Sarasota, Florida. And I go down there for two weeks and I read all the things I haven't had a chance to read. I sit there with a pen, with a pencil and a piece of paper, trying to force myself to get, uh, to get new ideas. I can remember when we were remodeling, um, Massive remodeling. When I say massive, I mean it took six years to finish the remodeling because it was like a jigsaw puzzle. Redoing uh, eighty thousand square foot club, or expanding it to eighty thousand, redoing it. And the question was like, how do I remodel a women's locker room with guys? And uh, I'm just looking at the looking at the drawings and staring and staring and staring and staring and staring. All of a sudden, looking and saying, "Wow, I can." build that entire locker room right behind the locker room. No one will even see all the guys doing it. All I got to do is knock down a wall and the the locker room will be finished. I would have never thought of that unless I took time to think. And, you know, it's like for a year, almost a year, I've been trying to think, how do I add outdoor training, a training facility, you know, to our center? How can I do it? And I'm looking and looking and there's no solution. Then one day I'm just looking and I go, wait a minute, we got a huge retention pond. I wonder if we can build over a retention pond, and I got into it and searched it. And now we have a six thousand square foot covered Wi-Fi lights everything facility outside. But it's it's just taking time to get away and literally think, and that's how I recharge. Just thinking. Yeah. And they'll go into Yellowstone, and I am going to upstate New York to go to the lake. So that's another <laughs> one. That <I'm>
1: to. <laughs> can I add on to what Joe just said? Um, We know we need to take time to pause. And I think sometimes we forget the biological reasons for that. And I am not a scientist, but my understanding is that the brain forms connections when it's not in constant use. And so we have to give the brain time for the connections to occur so that Joe who's looking at this puzzle for a year If you keep looking at the puzzle all the time, you're not giving the brain that opportunity to pause and form the connection to get the solution that he discovered. And that's the most difficult thing for type A leaders to do is to say, let me move forward by pausing. But it's often said, you have to learn to go slow in order to go fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why you have some of your best ideas in the shower. You're actively thinking. That's
3: software awesome. right. Yeah. Just to to add on to that, if I could, is you know, the, there's an analogy here for cross training, right? If you want to, if you want to run, it's also important that you lift weights or play tennis or other things. And if you want to analyze your your gym business, you can also learn about someone who's starting a software company. You can read Inc. magazine or Entrepreneur. You know, think about a guy that's got 85 Taco Bells. They, they're doing something structurally in their business that I can learn from and I can benefit from. So more we expand our horizons and we are making sure we're making the time to think, you know, there's some cross pollination taking place and we can benefit from, from what people are already doing successfully in other, other areas.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. Um, We're going to go ahead and shift gears a little bit and taking uh, and taking a more literal view of growth. So I want to ask the question, um, you know, a lot of clubs are striving to rebuild um, what are you guys doing to grow your business from a financial perspective? I know um, we probably have a lot of audience members who are curious about that. Um, Julian, what advice would you give?
1: Well, I'm giving it every day to our Mastermind members. Um, so let's, let's just back up. Unfortunately, we know that 30% of the boutique fitness industry closed during the pandemic, so I'm talking to the 70% who are still around. And from our internal surveys, the overwhelming majority of those 70% are still below 2019 numbers. So most of the studio owners I'm talking to are not thinking about the future, they're thinking about the path forward. How do they get, how do they build a new business and they understand and we remind them that they're never rebuilding, we don't even use the word rebuilding because we're in a very different business environment than we were pre-pandemic. So we're talking to them about what strategies they have to build a new business in this current environment. And Trina used the phrase earlier, consistency and simplicity. Everyone's looking for something new and sexy to build their business. And I heard Jay Galuzzo from North Castle recently say, we just have to go back to the basics and do what we knew, do what we know worked pre-pandemic, do it better, use what we've learned during the pandemic, apply it to do it better. We don't need to reinvent the wheel, but we need to acknowledge that some things aren't changing. Work from home, Uh, the growth of of digital native companies, um, the hollowing out of of urban centers. Those are just facts of life, but it doesn't mean that the way in which we were delivering uh, boutique fitness classes and programming needs to change. We need to take what we've learned, implement that into what we know worked, keep it simple, be consistent, rinse, wash, repeat.
0: Yeah, that's a great point point. a great reminder. I'm even looking at history, um, you know, human behavior doesn't change all that much. It's just the technology um, surrounding us. So I think that kind of speaks to that point as well. But Jessica, what are your thoughts on um, business growth?
2: I think anytime there's changes, let alone significant changes like we've experienced in the last two years, um, there's going to be opportunities if you stay nimble and you maximize the changes. I think there's danger in um, waiting for a, a return to normal or like, let's just go back to, you know, like how it was before and expect it to work the same but to use the lens that Julian just shared of like, we're now in like this work from home dynamic and there's opportunity there, especially for boutique studios that are suburban based. Like if you're in a work from home, you all of a sudden have a class schedule that can be six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Like you can stack your day a whole lot more than you might've been able to in the past because of just population going into, a downtown work center. So you now have opportunities to to look at different windows of your day on your class schedule. You know, I'm in boutique, so we think about it as, as a schedule. But, you know, I think the soft's probably seeing something similar where, like, your, your traffic through your facility, whether it's boutique or big box, has now changed. So what does that open up for you? And there are opportunities within that. So, you know, to look at it through a lens of, like, your growth mindset question, like, let's throw some things up against the wall and see what sticks. Maybe we've never been able to like have a busy schedule at 10 and 11, just because historically it's not worked. Well, great. Like maybe it's going to work now. Maybe there's a class format that's more recovery centric or more mental health, you know, or Trina mentioned meditation, like that's kind of where people are, are moving. So like, can you lean into that space Um, and ride that wave. So anytime there's change, there's waves and can you ride the wave or are you just going to stand there and just get like smashed over the head by the wave? Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's definitely opportunities and it takes, you know, to Joe's point, I think some of the like quiet time to like really think um, and and be able to see what the opportunities are for your business.
0: Yeah, certainly. Asaf, what's your advice?
3: Well, I loved all that and I would just highlight the throwing things against the wall and see what sticks is a phrase to utilize. So people foster a growth mindset because we're acknowledging we're gonna throw some things and it's not gonna work and nobody's gonna die. It's gonna be fine. We're just gonna find the thing that does work and go from there. Um, I wrote down thinking about this question, first and foremost, just make sure we're serving people well. Right, we can't get away from the basics of doing a good job for them, having a clean club where everything's functional and everyone's got a good vibe and good energy to them. and then from there, uh, if your costs are going up and everything is pushing you up, if you if your trade area can absorb it to pass on some price increases so we don't have to go backwards from that perspective. Um, speaking of trade area, a lot of this is trade area specific. Jessica, you touched on urban versus suburban. Some people label with a very broad brush this work from home environment, but there's wide swaths of blue collar that don't have the opportunity to do that. And if you serve that market, then it, it does, you know, maybe you're your schedule doesn't change as much. Um, and then just thinking about the pandemic closures and, and reopening and why we were labeled as non-essential, right? We have to be clear about what we're doing for people and we have to be clear about the results. So anything we can do to you know, be m- more clear and more upfront about quantifying results, body scans and um, heart rate monitors, things that show them that it's working, I think will help us continue to grow from here because we're showing them that it's working as opposed to just telling them that they feel better.
4: Yeah. Um, Rachel, I I took both these questions, this one and the next one that that you shared ahead of time of like specific strategies and what we're doing to rebuild. I kind of combined them um, to not repeat myself. So number one, I would say before you are wanting to grow into something new or add something new, pause for a second and get out your red pen. The pandemic really gave us the opportunity to eliminate, remove, and cut back on services without much explanation. And I never want to gloss over that, that you basically have carte blanche right now to say, you know, it doesn't take much much explanation, but everybody, everybody knows that things have changed, that um, a lot of hotel rooms are still not doing cleaning services and no one questions it anymore. Like, oh, my hotel's not gonna be serviced. What is that ever going back? Or is that just like cost savings, right? So in the health club environment, I just I cut things that really maybe they were even straggling before the pandemic. Maybe this gave me a reason to cut back on services and things that we always had. Right? So um, an example for me is that we had an onsite daycare. It was a great perk. It was a very expensive perk to staff and the space was valuable space in the middle of the club. And allowed working parents to bring their kids. Well, we shut it down during the pandemic. And then even when we reopened, we were a medically based health club. There's limits on who could come in to the gym, through the hospital. Kids weren't one of them. So finally, I was out for a walk one day with my dogs. And I thought, why am I sitting on this beautiful square footage, hoping that the daycare reopens someday? Why don't I just decide on my own? I'm not reopening it. And we just did a $30,000 renovation of, it might not sound like much to some of you, but to a health club in a small town it is right? To some of our listeners it is. And so we knocked on the walls, we redid the flooring, we opened up more space, we added some new equipment. And so I red penned and removed services that I didn't want to offer anymore without much explanation. I added things that I thought would add value to our future club. So that's number one, being willing to cut before you add. Um, Number two is we have gone, we lost hundreds of members in the pandemic to freezes or cancellations, and we're inching our way back up to where we like to be. Um, We've done that very specifically by giving people something to come back to, something specific. I mean, a date, a place, an event, a theme. So for those of you wanting really specific ideas, we've come up with these 72 hour camps, 72 hour boxing burn, 72 hour urban burn, these three day mini camps with fitness, nutrition, and accountability peer support community. It gives somebody who has been waiting for two years to come back, something to come back to. And then of course our goal is to keep them. So we have really gone to bat in the past two months creating specialty events, soulful Sunday yogas, boxing camps, 14-day um, burn camps, all kinds of things that give people something to come back to. And then the last thing that we've done that I think um, to Jessica's point of like what opportunities did the pandemic um, offer us in this way was definitely for us, our, our biggest change has been our hybrid classes. So we are a live local bricks and mortar gym that now has more people taking virtual group fitness from us than in person. So our average class right now has 10 to 15 in-person in the studio and 20 to 30 at home or work. Completely, completely shifted. And they all pay the same membership and they all pay the same amount. And it has kept us growing and thriving um, that we have five hybrid classes per day on our schedule. Um, so that's, I mean, Jessica, to your point about people's schedules being different, I cannot believe how much our noon time slot has blown up. A lot of people are working from home and they're just, you know, going out in their living room and joining us. They're still joining the club, the class, the community that they want to be a part of. They're not just turning on YouTube and looking for a workout, right? They're joining people they have a connection to, but they're joining from the comfort. Most of them from their home porch, living room, or even office. So we have shifted about 70% of our participants in group fitness are, at home online and 30% are live and in-person. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful example. Thanks for sharing that. So, but Joe, um, any thoughts on this one?
5: Yeah, I'll give you the good and the bad, and the bad and bad. the bad is just the good and the slow, I should say it. First of all, I think the most important thing that everybody has to do is say, what did I learned going through this? So if I ever have a challenge, it may not be the exact challenge, but there's always gonna be challenges. I'll tell you where I was really fortunate. I worked for six health clubs. that went bankrupt before I started my home. So I learned a lot of things to prepare for, to make sure when if things did turn, that I'd be ready for it. I heard a friend of mine used to always say, you know, Joe, there's a silver bullet in outer space and it's aimed at the back of your head and it's going to hit you when you aren't looking So it it made me always prepare. And by that, it made me always prepare financially. So no matter what happened to us, we could get through it. So the first part of it was when it all hit, no panic at all. It was just plan. Now, the the good part, and I think this is where I'm more fortunate than maybe most of you. And that was Florida wasn't shut down over and over and over and over. We were down for two months, and then we got going again. Now, did we get hit during that period of time? Absolutely. Did the media terrify people during that time? Absolutely. Did thousands of people cancel their membership? Absolutely. But we focused on building the business back up. A lot of people say, well, you have to change everything. You can't do it like you used to do it. I'm going to tell you, it's not true. We went back to doing things just like we always did things, and everything started growing. Every aspect. membership started growing. All the boutiques, and we have lots of boutiques. They all started growing, but I did say the slow. So the Group X has been slower than we would have expected as far as making a comeback as to where it was initially. Um, but the one good thing is with the outdoor pavilion that we built, uh, we have a lot of outdoor classes and more people, uh, seem to be coming back. Cause I'm telling you with this, they still got people that are terrified. So that that's been helpful. The other one is personal training. Um, you know, our personal training business averaged about 200,000 a month. And when we first reopened, it went down to 40,000 a month. And, and now we're at about 155000 a month. So it's coming back up to where it was, but it's been slow, you know, getting yeah. up. There. But really, those aren't the only two areas where I said, hey, it's gotten slow. All the other programs that we do, the memberships, everything has been on a continuous, strong uh, growth path. So it wasn't like we had to go back and change everything. Even though I do understand, Trina, how you can look and say, we used to do that. We really don't have to do that anymore. I can understand. I understand that. And that's totally, totally valid. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, um, before we go on to the last question, i um, asking for book and podcast recommendations since we're about out of time. Did anyone have another revenue generated, generating strategy that they really wanted to share? If so, just raise your hand. Okay. Jessica. You don't have a cooled off
2: lead list at this point. Every single person that you have contact information for, if they are from four years ago, they are a hot lead, work your leads and not just like text and email, but like get on the phone with people. We have to, you know, to Joe's point, we have to educate around a lot of the fear that's been coached into people over these last two years. So you have to get on the phone and meet people where they're at the groups that are able to dedicate resources to one-on-one conversations in addition to the blast formats that we all have access to, like those are the groups that are going to win. You have to touch as many people as you can. And you guys, if you're in Joe's been in business for 40 years. I can't even imagine what his list looks like. I would buy it from you probably. Like everybody has thousands of people. There's no one on that list that is a cooled off person. Everybody is a a hot lead at this point and it's, it's a hustle game.
0: Yeah, great advice, Jessica. Great. Go ahead, Julian.
1: I think one of the most important lessons that the survivors have learned over the last two years is the importance of having multiple revenue streams cannot exist or it's more difficult to exist if you're only generating revenue in your business from selling one type of product or service. So strongly encourage anyone who has not done so to think about, especially in the traditional gym studio format, I think I think, as an industry we aired pre-COVID in only or mostly delivering movement programming, not enough uh, fitness providers, using the term specifically, uh, not enough, we're also providing nutrition, recovery, mindset programming as well. There's more than just simply moving the body in wellness. So if there are other things that are related to what you do that you can offer to your community, multiple revenue streams and serving your clients better. Yeah, love
0: that great advice. Awesome. Well, guys, we're about out of time, so I'm going to have each of you quickly go around and just share book recommendations, podcast recommendations, and Julian, go ahead.
1: Harvard Business Review, $99 annual subscription, best $99 you will ever spend. It used to be $10 a month per magazine. Now it's $100 a year for access to their entire archives. The best $99 any business person can ever spend our business review.org hbr.org
0: yeah that's a great
2: one awesome hey jessica i'm a podcast person and i'm gonna like double down on that and just share with you guys i have not read a book in 2022 so like i would encourage you guys who are on this or listening to the recording like figure out how you learn like my brain just goes in too many directions and, like, and I can't focus on reading. So like figure out, is it, is it podcasts? Is it books? Is it networking? Is it, you know, Kindle recordings, like whatever you're going to do. Um, the favorite podcasts, like I love Science of Success, Guy Kawasaki's Remarkable People. I listen to Ed Let show, How I Built This, Tim Ferriss show, like all of, there's so many great podcasts and then I can multitask. I can walk and listen at the same time. So that's my learning jam. Yeah. Love it.
0: Us off, uh, what uh, continuous learning opportunities would you recommend? Uh,
3: Jocko Willink, anything by him, Extreme Ownership, uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, the dichotomy of leadership in his podcast, uh, talks about history, talks about war. I think that's the highest level of the pinnacle of leadership that's necessary. So great to learn from. Setting the Table by Danny Meyer is a great book. Excellence Wins by Horst Schultz is a great book. And then I just noted out, do anything that humbles you do jujitsu, get beat up in a Krav Maga class, try golf and it's miserable and you have to get better. So anything where you're trying to improve and and it's frustrating and you're working on it is is a good skill. It's a good competency to develop.
0: Yeah. Love it.
4: Trina, any more to share? Yeah, I shared my list earlier. So um, it's so funny. I love Jessica's point that she hasn't read a book, but absorbs millions of podcasts. I listen to podcasts when I drive to and from sporting events for my kids, um, real, just like passively, but I have a very hard time hearing it, retaining it, absorbing it, unless I'm seeing it in paper. So for me, the actual book that I can underline and star is the only way I can do it. And so it takes setting aside 30 minutes in the morning to read, but I love that you can find a style that, that fits you. And the most important thing is to find something that fits you. Um, my, one of my go-to podcasts, uh, not in business, but certainly if you want to be good in business, you better be good in life. And the podcast is called the life coach school. And I think so much of struggle in business is just struggle with confidence or communication or being vulnerable or listening to your gut. I mean, um, overcoming conflict, like so many things that we struggle with in business are because we struggle with an area of our life. So the Life Coach School is one of my favorites. And there's another one called We Can Do Hard Things. Um, So I like those to just build me up personally um, in leadership. Yeah, love it.
0: Joe, um, I know that you've read a lot of books over the years, but do you have a few that you could recommend?
5: Now, I'll go past the books. I might mean, give you tons and tons and tons of books. Um, but I told you in the beginning about history. And I tell you, when I tell you about this, I watch it with my whole leadership team. We watch them every week. I'll give you a real simple one to read because it'll make you think and make them think. Go to the History Channel, find the food that built America. You will say, that is so interesting how they went from point A to point B. Like I bet none of you know who Pete Submarines was well, Pete Submarines was failing. And he got with this guy and said, You know what we need to do? We hope we have to open up another another Pete Submarines and do everything differently. Figure out which one, how to make this thing work. And they did. And eventually they said, We should change the name. And they changed the subway. But it's the beginning of how they formed. But it's, it's blimpies and how they failed. And it's just, it will, it will, it's, it's fun to watch. It's interesting as hell. And it'll make you think about mm-hmm. things that we can do within our own business.
0: Yeah. Love it.
1: Rachel, quick follow-up on that. Business Wars is a podcast that talks about those type of, uh, the formation of Coke versus Pepsi and Reebok versus Nike in the same way that Joe just mentioned Submarine, Business Wars podcast.
5: Okay. And you can find yeah. the whole genius there's a whole series on the genius category and it's jobs versus gates. It's all the great ones versus all the great ones and how they work their way through it. It's just, it's inspiring for us too. um, But it's thought provoking for everybody.
0: Yeah. Love it. Um, And then I'll go ahead and share um, some recommendations as well. In terms of books, the art of gathering by Priya Parker is extremely powerful. Um, If you, basically about how to bring people together successfully, whether it's a meeting in an organization or a a literal event or party. Um, But I would, I, we got a lot of insights out of that going through that as a leadership team. so I recommend that one Um, the advantage by Patrick uh, Lencioni, which I have right here. Mm -hmm. Really great. Um, And then in terms of, I'm also a huge podcast consumer like uh, Trina and Jessica and my favorites, like I mentioned earlier, were the Huberman lab, which is about, um, just how to, you know, be productive as a human being um, and then an armchair expert, which I know probably a lot of people uh, have heard about, but that's a great one too. But anyway, awesome. I really appreciate your all's time. Um, this was a great discussion. Panelists, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedules to do this. And then attendees, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone really got a lot out of it. Um, but yeah, good to see everyone and everyone have a great rest of your day.
5: Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you.